Well, we continue with our Love Letter from God series this morning, and I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 21 to 25. But I can tell you right now that unless you're reading from the message, it's probably not going to match what, uh, what I am going to read to you. We're also going to read John 3.16, so if you would stand this morning as we read from God's word for the sermon. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Hebrews 10.21-25 from the message. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Giving hope. Creatively do good together. That is the way we have distilled these four verses to a t-shirt slogan. But it really means something deeper, and it defines us, not only as members and attendees of this church, but as Christians who are necessarily called to do three things. Living a life that holds on to hope, full of belief, confident that we're presentable, keeping a firm grip on the promises that keep us going, creatively doing good, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, and being together, not avoiding worshiping together, as the author of the book of Hebrews says. Hebrews is a fun book. It ties together in a way that no other New Testament book does the entire picture of Old Testament sacrifice as a foreshadowing of the work of God in Christ on behalf of the world. The book has no identifiable author, but there are many theories. Paul, Apollos, Clement, Barnabas, Timothy, Priscilla, or Junia. In the end, it really is somewhat irrelevant who wrote the book, but whoever it was had some great insights and gave us some great passages of scripture. The faith chapter, for example, Hebrews chapter 11, gives us a, a minor synopsis of the Old Testament Hall of Famers, those who held on to the hope they had, who gave it away, who did God's work in the face of adversity, not even having seen what God's final plan might look like. The verse that we know as the description of faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is found in Hebrews. And this phrasing helps us see faith for what it is, something we know about and trust to happen, but haven't yet experienced. But faith isn't the only thing in Hebrews. It is also a chapter full of hope. In it, we learn that our redemption has been purchased so that we can move into the very presence of God. We no longer live with the guilt of past sin. We no longer have 
to stand trembling and ashamed. Instead, we lean in and receive the beautiful grace that was bought for us with the shed blood of our Redeemer, Jesus. Our hope, then, is multifaceted. It is the hope of Christ's work in us now and the hope of an eternity in God's presence. It is the hope of the resurrection from the dead, the hope of bodies transformed and spirits renewed. It is the hope of abundant lives now, full of the grace and mercy we have been given, being given to others. It is the hope that we cling to by faith and that in this place we have resolved to give away. It is the hope that defines us as Christians, as those who know God and know what God has promised, and the hope that allows us to believe that the faithfulness of God is foundational to who we are now and who we will be as God continues the transforming work in each of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Even Job, as we read in our scriptures from the lectionary today, had a grasp on this hope. He had no understanding of who Christ was in his lifetime. He actually, uh, if you don't remember the story of Job, let me refresh your memory a little bit. Job was someone who was faithful to God. Job took care to make sacrifices for his families. His children who might be sinning, he made sacrifices for. Job was very, very actively engaged in following God as best he could. And then disaster struck. His children all died. His fields were all destroyed. He had been a wealthy man with lots of livestock and farm. All of it gone in a single instance. His wife actually said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? And then worse, he got sick. Covered in sores, he went and sat under a tree. And then his friends came and encouraged him by telling him all the ways that he must have been wrong in order for God to punish him. There's a lot we can learn about the book of Job, about who God is and how we can react in circumstances. I love that Job questions God and says, I didn't do anything. I don't know why this is happening to me. I was faithful. God, why? And God's answer is basically, because I'm God and you're not. But Job could ask the question, and God didn't hold it against him for asking the question. But in the middle of this, before God comes and answers him, Job says this, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth, And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. His wife said to curse God and die. His friends 
said he was disobedient to God and that's why he was sick and all of these bad things happened to him. And in the middle of that, Job holds on to the hope that he has in a faithful God. That's the same hope we have. Job's hope is pre-Jesus. But we know Jesus. We are able to see how God actually did work out the very things that Job is hoping for. And we can see that Job's hope was right. And because Job's hope was right, our hope is not in vain. Our hope is right. And our hope is also something, just like we can see Job's hope back in that scripture, but our hope is also something that others can see. And by seeing our hope, they can know that God is faithful. We have the opportunity to give our hope away just by living into the hope that we have. We can serve those around us, which is what the author of Hebrews reminds us to do. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out is the way that Eugene Peterson says it in the message version. We give hope away by encouraging others, by helping others to see who Jesus is in the middle of their mess. We don't have to fix their mess. We don't have to make it better for them all the way through, but we can stand next to them. We can walk with them. The hope we have is for the hurting people. The hope we have is bigger than just some faraway heavenly mansion. The hope we have is about living into peace and grace now. And walking with people who need it now. And the last part of that scripture tells us that we need to celebrate it and work it through together. In the NIV, it says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Because the author of Hebrews knows that the church is a collective. And it needs to be something that we do together. We, we can't hold on to the hope we have. We cannot give it away unless we are working it through together. Unless we are collectively seeking out who God is. We need one another. We need to see God at work in each other. We need to see the miracles that God is doing in small ways and big ways in other people's lives. We need the testimony of how God is at work. Sometimes we just need to sing. Sometimes we just need to pray together. Sometimes we need to hear what God is doing so we can remember that God does what we need. We need to know that where there are hurt people... Hope is healing. Hope is bringing truth. And sometimes we get to be the means for that healing and help. 
Sometimes we get to be the one who comes and stands alongside someone. Sometimes we get to be the one who provides something that someone else can't have. Sometimes God lets us be the hope for someone else. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us and we are able to give away what we have because God keeps filling us with what we need. But our gatherings are about worship too, about remembering who God is, about celebrating that together. Worshiping God collectively is important. One of the first things that God does when he brings the people out of, is out of Egypt, when he brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt, the, one of the first things he does is set up for them a means and method of worshiping together because they need that time of celebrating who God is, of remembering what it is that has brought them that far. And we need this time too. We need to remember who God is. What God has done for us. We need to see it. We need to be a part of it. It draws us closer not only to each other, but to the God we love and serve. God's love for us is visible to us in the hope we have and in the beauty of our collective worship and mission. We are together to love and to serve and to give our hope both to those in this space and in the world around us. Our vision is not just a t-shirt slogan. Instead, it is the wonder of a Christian life lived for those around us so that they too might know the hope of a God who loves. Giving hope. Creatively doing good together. That's who we are. Who God has called us to be in this place. As we close out this morning, we turn to our blue sheets and we remind ourselves of what it means to say that God loves. To create us, to form us from the dust. To let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's. To let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. To provide a rescue, a way back, through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up. And how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead 
and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and final judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. Sorry, kiddo. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. God's love is expressed to us every week most tangibly as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. Beloved, come, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.